Hi, I'm Susie McAvale. I live and work on Wurundjeri Wirriwong country in Nam, Melbourne, Australia. And working in education, I've noticed that in this COVID era, young people are not coping with life as well as they used to. But what I've come to understand is these symptoms are signs of a bigger picture and that some of us adults, we also need some help with how to deal with life changes, particularly when it comes to understanding ourselves and relating to one another and our kids. The Let's Check In podcast shares stories and strategies of real people who commit to paving positive ways forward through uncertainty. We talk about the things that you didn't learn at school, that you wish someone had prepared you for. So, let's check in. Hi, and welcome to the Let's Check In podcast. Here's a question for you. Ever felt uncertain, like, that feeling where you just don't know what's going to happen next. And maybe you don't know what you want to happen next. When this happens, we can feel totally incapable, frozen in indecision, as the uncertainty swirls around in our brains and that strong sense of overwhelm and anxiety comes in. And by then, well, it's hard to see anything clearly. And so I wonder, how can we embrace a holistic approach to managing the natural feelings of anxiety everyday life brings. How do we begin to get curious about the symptoms and break through anxiety's self-limiting beliefs? For today's episode, I'm so thrilled to introduce you to Georgie Collinson, Australia's number one anxiety therapist, author of The Anxiety Reset Method, mindset coach, hypnotherapist, naturopath and nutritionist. Georgie, welcome. It is such a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Susie. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And I hear um, recently the Oprah's team have requested your book. What a dreamlike moment for you. Oh, that was a pretty crazy moment. Yes. It's amazing how these things can unfold. I mean, I didn't have any hand in that. The book's just out there and things are just happening with it. It's pretty cool. In the work that you do as an anxiety therapist, what relationship? do you really notice between this topic of uncertainty and anxiety? Well, I mean, honestly, it's almost all about uncertainty. And usually we have this sense that we are not going to be able to cope with what life brings. We're not going to be able to cope with the future challenges that life brings before us, which is typically informed by our experiences in the past where Maybe we did have a moment that was really challenging that wasn't in our control where we felt out of control and we felt like we have no power. And this often happens in our somewhere in our childhood and it can be the most subtle things, like things that you wouldn't expect. It's not necessarily um, the big traumatic experiences we're used to associating things with like war zones and car accidents and abuse. Sometimes it is more subtle. It's the moment where you're a three-year-old and you're sitting on the living room floor and you thought mum was just behind you and then you look around and no one's there and you think she's gone and she's never coming back. We have these moments where we just interpret and make a meaning out of something that happened. We start to tell ourselves, I'm helpless, I have no power. And then as adults, we confront our challenges now 
And we have that same response that we had as that three-year-old or that five-year-old thinking, for example, in that that example, that mum's not coming back and there's nothing I can do about it and I'm helpless and alone. And what's great about it is that we don't have to stay stuck in those responses and we can build our awareness and we can shift the meanings that we made at that age. But so many of us are running around as adults now in that state of still reverting back unconsciously, like we're not doing this deliberately, back to the perspective of that scared little child within us. That past experience is very powerful, isn't it? Um, And the awareness to be able to be conscious about that story is so, I'm assuming, really um, important to intercepting that moment. Yeah. I often look at anxiety from a sort of three-part perspective. There's what's going on in the mind and all these subconscious stories, our traumas, that inner critic that has possibly just taken a hold and run rampant and started telling you that you're incapable, you're weak, you can't do anything, you're dumb, like whatever things you took on. And and so many of us have experienced things like being bullied or like this is really common and we hear that those words of criticism, we latch onto them and we take it, we agree with it. We go, oh, that must be true. And left unexamined, it does stay that way. It's, it stays feeling true within us. But there's these other two components that are really important too, and that's addressing our physical well-being. I'm a naturopath and a nutritionist as well. So I love looking at gut health and hormones and nutrition, how that all falls into things. And the third piece that I don't hear often spoken about, but is so essential with anxiety is really delving into our spiritual understanding of life. And I don't mean that you have to believe in fairy tales and fantasies, but actually looking at answering that question, how on earth do we trust life? When life is full of uncertainty, it is full of things that can go wrong. Where is it that we can start to build a belief system that serves us in how we relate to life and that uncertainty? Gosh, so much of this is uh, is hitting home for me right now. Um Let's talk about what you see in your consult rooms with anxiety right now. What are the kind of patterns that are emerging for you that you're noticing? It's funny because some people will think that, and and you know, on the surface level, the women I work with might all look different. Like some are single, some are in long-term relationships, some have children, some don't. Some are dealing with anxiety more related to their health. Some are dealing with anxiety related to socializing with others or public speaking. Some are dealing with anxiety around flying a plane, like being in a plane, so going flying somewhere or driving. And some are just experiencing that anxiety of like going to work and, and needing to give a presentation and trying to be confident, but actually feeling like this sense of, oh my gosh, everyone's really intimidating in this room and feeling that that crippling anxiety around that and the mind going blank and all of these things which, which many of us can relate to. And yet there is a common thread <laughs> tying all of them together, which is that we have these stories that we're just living out from our childhood. Somewhere along the way, we lost our power. Somewhere along the way, we learnt this idea that I am helpless and there is nothing I can do to protect myself, to get my needs met. And what is interesting about this is that when they, when you were a child, there were real moments where you possibly, there was nothing you could do and you were helpless. No matter how many times that you cried or how many times you tried to be a good girl and do the right things, it's like you were always criticized or you always felt like you were going to get it wrong somehow. 
um, and we stop trusting ourselves. And so it's it's really about understanding that we can actually get that power back and we don't have to stay in this helplessness because as children, we typically didn't have power. We're children and we are dependent on the adults around us. And a lot of us weren't raised with adults that knew how to give us what we really needed to feel emotionally supported and safe. And so it's about figuring out how to get that power back and we all can. And so that's what I would say is what I'm seeing in in the women that I work with is typically this loss of power somewhere along the way. doesn't matter how it manifests in, in terms of like the outer appearance. We are all connected by that one thing. It's always that threat of I'm going to lose. So as children, one of our biggest needs is to be have this sense that we belong and that we are connected. We must be accepted by our family group. We cannot be rejected. And yet, if we have a a very critical parent or a parent that maybe is trying to come out of a place of love, trying to give you the strict rules so that you, because it's for your own good, you know, or making you go to those dance lessons you hate because, well, this is going to, you know, you're going to love this later in life and giving you a sense of I've got no choice and I'm forced to do this. We have this need for acceptance and this fear of rejection and that in our childhood time is like absolutely critical for us getting our needs met. But as we grow up, we start to notice that we're so happy to sacrifice our authenticity to keep having those those needs met, to keep feeling that sense of belonging. So we build these masks over ourselves. We build this sense of like trying to be perceived as lovable and worthy but deep down we're typically not feeling that way because there's so many true parts of ourselves that we had to suppress in order to feel like we can keep belonging so that is sort of the the powerlessness the need for belonging and connection and the fear of rejection all really underpins this whole experience in that mind level that emotional level yeah wow that's very powerful stuff hey that sense of agency is just so critical to feeling like people can step forward into their power. I totally get that. So where do people start with managing their feelings and their emotions in a more proactive way? Yeah, that's a beautiful question and it it really is the crux of this whole thing. It's starting to realise that you can hold this experience of anxiety in your body. You are powerful enough to do that. And even just opening up to that being a possibility for you is a great starting point that, oh, so when I feel this uncomfortable, roiling sensation in my gut, the churning, the sweaty palms, the racing of my heartbeat, or perhaps it's a more subtle version for you as well. Perhaps you just feel kind of numb and and sort of disconnected from your body and just all up in your head, realizing that no matter how uncomfortable that sensation is in your body, you have the ability to withstand it, to hold it to let it pass through you. What's typically happening is that we try not to feel. We're trying to put the smile on our faces all the time or maintain a sense of appearing like we've got everything together at all times. We don't want to have this sense of I'm falling apart or I'm breaking down because we have this belief that that's going to mean that somehow we are, we're going to die. You know, we feel this sense of like, if we let the emotion take over, I actually let myself feel the grief that I'm feeling. I'm going to, I'm not going to recover from that. When actually what happens is we can work with our emotions. We can let that energy move through us and we can start to build this resilience where we realize emotions are more like waves. It's like, I I love this example of 
imagining yourself standing at the beach and there's these waves coming at you. And if you are, you know, familiar with ocean swimming, you'll know that you can't just walk into the waves because at some point, especially if it's a, a nice surf beach, you're going to get a wave come and kind of tumble you over and you're going to kind of get sand in all the places and get lost in this washing machine of this wave. This is what's happening to most people when they're trying to not feel their anxiety. They're trying to stand tall against the wave and they're going to get toppled over. But if we dive into that wave, we learn how to work with the waves and we dive under it. Your head comes up on the other side. You feel the rush of the waves move over you and it can be quite exhilarating. It can feel quite liberating at the same time. It's really an exciting, beautiful, alive feeling. You come up and there's calmness on the other side of the wave and this is really how our emotions work. And if we know that we can dive into the wave and we practice that, we can start to develop this grace with moving through our emotions, this openness to that, which makes the whole thing work so much better because our emotions are there to help us. Life's hard and they are there to help us deal with the stress, to unload that stress, to express what we're feeling, to know when a boundary is being crossed, to know when something is out of balance within our system or when a need isn't being met. So we've got a lot of undoing to do often from our childhood about expressing our emotions, you know, especially if we were shamed into it whenever we were emotional, like told that, oh, you're just having a tantrum or something I was told a lot, bless my parents, was uh, that I would sulk, which is like just going quiet and not speaking to anyone. But what was actually happening inside myself in those moments was just this emotional overwhelm and this sense of, well, I can't cry because that's going to upset them. And I can't, I don't know what I'm feeling because I'm five years old, so I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to shut down and go into this like quiet zone and try to actually make myself invisible in that moment so I'm not upsetting anyone. And so it's, these are some of those more subtle ways uh, that those patterns of seeing and understanding our, our anxiety and our emotions can start to develop from that early age. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. There's a few things you mentioned just then that really resonated. It's this sense of, and you spoke about this at the beginning, that sense of trust um, and that the waves move through. But it's also about like when the feelings come up, acknowledging that they're they're valid, that they're understandable and that there's kindness with that and that we're allowed to feel this way. And we also need the trust to be able to understand that it's going to pass, that this moment's not forever yeah. and, you know, we're going to be okay. That's a huge one is starting to accept that anxiety is not bad because a lot of women come to me because they want to get rid of anxiety and I never want to feel it again. Because I always ask them, what is your goal? Like, where do you want to move with this? And they just say, I just don't want to feel this anymore, which is so understandable, by the way, that we want to feel relief. But if we continue with this right. negative association with anxiety, we're going to constantly reject this part of ourselves. And again, it's like the wave's going to come and you're just going to get tumbled over by it rather than saying, this is a thing that I can work with and I can learn to manage. And actually, it's helping me. Anxiety is helping you. It is telling you when you actually need to have a big cry or you're really angry about something. Like typically, there's another emotion underneath the anxiety and possibly years of emotions underneath the anxiety that we need to actually tap into and acknowledge. For example, you know, maybe we were bullied, bullied in school and we just felt so terrible about ourselves in that moment, so much shame for being the excluded one that we didn't want to feel 
that feeling. It's because it's one of the worst feelings we can feel is rejection and feeling like we, we're, we're not fitting in. It, it is equivalent to our brain, our survival mechanisms and instincts as death. We might shut that off and not feel it and develop anxiety going through our life. But if we actually go back and we kind of acknowledge like, actually, that was so painful when I was 12 and those girls, you know, said this thing to me and made me feel this way. Like that was really, really hard to get through. We can start to develop this uh, spaciousness to allow that emotion to move out of us. I would say that that's, that's a key part of it as well. A couple of words that you mentioned there around suppress- suppression, um, the elements of shame come up for me too when I think about um, some of those emotions that we might feel when we experience anxiety. And us not really liking to, um, you know, liking to share with people that we might feel anxious. Can you talk to me about the Resilience Shield model that you work with? How do you, how do people learn to work alongside their emotions rather than shaming and suppressing them? When we are going through a heightened phase of anxiety, sometimes your mind has trouble figuring out what's going on for you and, and what piece might be missing in that puzzle. We know that the anxiety is helping us. We know it's got a message in it to tell us that you've got something that you need that's not being met right now. Something's a little bit out of balance. So you can look at that resilience shield. This is in my book, The Anxiety Reset Method. We go through these nine components that are all factors that can help build our resilience or if not addressed, deplete it. It gives you a framework to work within to start to see, okay, not feeling so great. I haven't been feeling so great for the last week or two, and I'm sort of going down this trajectory, what are some reasons that might be happening for starters? And then what are some action steps that I can put into place? So there are nine components. We look at gut health, nutrition, hormones, sleep, which is a really important one, and having enough rest and fun as well, which is a need that we have. Um, We also look at our stimulant use. So how much are we consuming things like caffeine, which just can often dump a whole lot more adrenaline into our system that we might not necessarily be needing. And then we've got our connection with nature is another really fundamental one that, you know, it almost comes as a shock sometimes when I tell people, you are nature, like nature is within you and we are part of it. And we need to have this intimate connection with nature, especially when we're feeling lonely and we're feeling like we're, so many people have this belief, I don't belong, I'm not I'm not connected in some way. We're feeling a massive disconnect across the Western world, in fact, and we're forgetting that we are nature, that the the cycles of the sun and the moon, the cycles of, of the seasons are all really important for us to be connected with. And so you'll notice even just lying down on the grass, there's so much amazing scientific research into grounding, what that can do for us and, and the reasons why, like intuitively, we kind of get that it's good for us to be in nature, but there's so much science backing that up now. It's really fascinating to look into and what that does for the nervous system. Even 20 minutes of sitting in a green space. So you can be in the middle of the city, but sit in a park and you are going to drop your cortisol levels down just by sitting in a green space. So like having your lunch there, for example. And then we've got meaningful connections. So yeah. having some kind of connection with another human being, or it could be an animal, but a human being typically where you are sharing something real. You know, you're not just saying, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm good. You're actually saying, oh, you know what? I, I, I'm i having a tough morning. You know, 
and really going to that space and, and opening that up because you're actually doing the other person a favor to then be their authentic self and say to you, you know, I'm actually so glad you said that because I was feeling like that yesterday. And the last one is uh, looking at ha- having this awareness of our thoughts and our emotions and what's going on in that element as well. And so that is what the resilience shield is. But I think you also asked about sitting with the anxiety and, and dealing with the emotion in the moment. Yes. So we would use the resilience shield yeah. when you've noticed, okay, there's this, it's a more of a long-term approach. It's not so much the, okay, here's, I'm feeling anxiety. How do I stop feeling it today? It is starting to look at it from that uh, more long-term approach. How am I going to build resilience in my nervous system going forward? And it helps you really set up a plan for that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So I'm going to jump to a little bit of data from World Health Health Organization. So the 2022 data says that 3.6 of the world experience anxiety. And if we zoom into Australia, that's one in four. And we've mentioned this a little bit already, but I want us to delve a bit deeper. Anxiety is something that we all feel sometimes, you know, it is, it's what it is to be human, but when does it become a problem and how do we know? Yeah, that's such a good question. I would say it becomes a problem. I mean, there are diagnostic criteria in the DSM, which is our uh, this manual that, that can be followed to sort of say if you've been experiencing these symptoms over a spe- specific amount of time. But I also like to give the authority and the power back to a human being and their experience because we are so good at what's called gaslighting ourselves and telling ourselves that we're fine. We could just get over, get on with it. And this is this is okay. Like I can keep going, especially in this society where productivity, pushing through, hardening up, hustling, all of those and and constantly doing is so celebrated. You know, the harder you work, the more you earn, the more you've produced, the more you've achieved, the better you are. So many of us get stuck in that for our entire lives. And we notice like, oh, but I'm like, I let myself enjoy the weekend. But did you really switch off? Did you really give yourself that space? So we can easily tell ourselves that this is fine. But we'll start to notice things like sometimes it, it takes a big moment, like burning out and just not being able to get out of bed because you are so exhausted. And realizing that every day you're just like dragging your feet to work because you just you're hating it. You are just not finding the the space within yourself to keep going. And then there's anxiety involved in that too. So it might be interrupt like literally interrupting your ability to function in your life. Some people can get to that point where they don't want to leave their house. We might call it a breakdown. I obviously love to call it a breakthrough because we're finally going to start listening to our body and start listening to our authentic self and what we really need rather than what's going to have us belonging, fitting into society and fitting into our original family group as well. We start to look at, okay, what actually makes me happy? I remember when I was uh, in my early 20s and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I grew up in a family of lawyers and so that felt like the natural thing to do. But I also had this sick feeling every time I thought about doing an anxiety, every time I thought about becoming a lawyer and living that lawyer life, that lifestyle of like pressure and constant, you know, you have to be quite married to your work in many ways to be in that career path. And so yeah, had I continued to sort of pursue something like that, I know the anxiety would have got louder and louder and louder until I, ha- I had to listen to it. Thankfully, I-, I listened to it before I even got down that path. But that's just one example of how these things can work. So, yeah. Part of so much of what you're talking about 
speaks to me about vulnerability and the ability to connect to another person and having that sense of belonging and trust and a tribe really to understand. In the spirit of that, I guess I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and share that in creating a business, it's been one of the biggest roller coasters of emotions for me. Um, and I can definitely relate to the feelings of overwhelm that you're talking about when it comes to, you know, trying to embrace risk and, and getting things, you know, just right, whatever the hell that is. Um, how do we begin to embrace these feelings, you know, of messiness and imperfection? Mm, that's such a big one, especially when we're constantly surrounded by perceptions of people on social media and those overnight success stories, this idea that it was easier for them or just seeing the, the highlight reel of other people's experience. We often think that there's something wrong with our own. So I'd say the first thing is really coming to accept the reality that your experience is and, and all of our experience is pretty much 50-50, like 50% good, 50% not so fun not so good. And there's obviously a spectrum within that of like, you know, not good can be boring, like a boring moment or a sort of like moment of feeling a bit apathetic to like downright full-blown anxiety or depression. And then the, and grief stricken as well, which is what underlies a lot of those, those situations anyway. And then the, the good can range from, I'm just feeling kind of content right now to overall ecstatic that understanding we all have to move through this we can start to build a sense of resilience when we expect it like that you are not going to make all the human beings happy you can't it's impossible you are going to have moments in business in your life where things are really hard and you think you can't go on but these are natural contractions in our life that allow for the expansion and once we embrace what that can bring into our lives and we see I like to talk about a lot of times like seeing a chapter in my life, like I'm going through what I call an ego death. You know, there's a part of me that thought it was me, thought it was real, like the part of me that needs control or the part of me that needs to know what's going to happen next or that needs me to be constantly doing. You know, at some point we have to let that die and it's painful when it dies and it can feel like you you don't know who you are in that moment. But if you let it die, you open up space for something new. You call it ego because it's so connected to the the identity of the ego. Is that what you're getting at there? Yeah, it's this like made up persona that we make about ourselves in order to survive. It's the version of yourself that you think you have to be in order to have your survival needs met as a child. So if we get the sense in the family that high achiever, like that high achiever personality is celebrated and that every time we do something – we get a we get congratulated or oh i got an i got 100% on that test oh i got a lot of praise for that i've got to keep doing that to make them happy to get my survival needs met to be part of it and so it's sort of starting to understand that as you go through life you'll have moments when you're not going to get 100% on the test you can't be that high achiever all the time that's just not going to happen you're going to fail sometimes and so each time you fail, that part of you that felt it needed to be perfect and be the high achiever dies a little bit. And this is good because it actually creates space. It's painful. It's not going to be comfortable, but it creates space for you to be something else other than that. You, you can start to be more of you. You can start to say, oh, you know what? I've been through 10 of these failures. I'm going to be okay. And we find more and more of our authentic self as we go through those experiences. So business is a roller coaster ride. 
Life is a roller coaster ride and you are going to be brought to your knees at times. But can we know in those moments where we're brought to our knees, can we fully surrender to that and just say, okay, I'm going to let this part of me die. While you're in that pain, there can be some part of you still grounded in the perspective that somehow this is happening for me. Somehow this is a contraction that will allow for an expansion in my life. You know, we're starting to look at here, answering that question of of uncertainty and how to deal with it. And this is one way. (laughs) A couple of things come up for me there. One is the level of expectation that we have on ourselves. And I suppose it's that, that story we've told ourselves over our lives, really that pattern of behavior that continues until we have this realization, intercept and trust that when it might not go the way that we think it's going to go, we will want it to go because so many of us have a really ridiculously high bar of expectation based on what you were talking about before, social media reels, et cetera. You know, that can be really difficult. What are your thoughts about intercepting those levels of expectations of self? It's so good for us, even though it's terrifying in the moment, um, to go through a an expectation you had for your life. Like maybe, you know, we often associate this with age as well, like where we're at like turning 30 or turning 40, I should be at this point in my life, but turning 50, whatever it might be. We have our own belief system around that. We have to firstly realize that all of that is BS. Like none of that is written in the sky as like, this is how things must be. It's just human beings have come along and told a story about that over and over again, that at 30, you should be married and, and have a kid, right? 35, you should be this established in your career. You should have this much in your savings. You should have bought a house, whatever it might be. And as we confront those times in our lives and we don't get the thing easily that we think we want, we start to actually ask, well, did I even want this in the first place? Do I still want it the way that I thought I wanted it and the way I was told to want it? I mean, we're talking about a generation here, especially growing up with like Disney movies and rom-coms and like seeing these happy ever after sort of story scenarios I mean I know like just looking at my journey with relationships and love like the kind of love I thought I wanted that I was attracted to as a younger girl was always like you know the bad boy (laughs) the ones that weren't good and it's like if I'd had my way earlier in my life in that in that portion of my life I could have ended up in a in a really unhealthy dynamic space in a a partnership for me and I have so much more awareness now of like what I actually want in that space so it's really good for us because we actually start to each time we clear away an expectation or what we thought we needed to be we start to just become more of who we truly are and we learn so much about ourselves and it's liberating to go through something you were so attached to not being, like you were so afraid of experiencing. Like let's say it's you start a business and you're so terrified it's going to fail and then it does. And then you have to live in that. And you have to go through that, but you'll actually experience that when you're in it, okay, the worst thing about that failure, the worst thing about the relationship ending and the heartbreak is those peak moments of emotion where you feel grief stricken you feel heartbroken you feel like a failure where it just feels like the world's closing in but if we can welcome that death like if we can say this is a full contraction the slate is being cleared right now in my life and it has to open up again you know just look around again coming back to when I said we are nature just look around at day becoming night becoming day again 
the cycle of, of the seasons, we we are constantly in that cycle. So if you don't like where you are right now, it will change. If you're in a death moment right now where it feels like everything has just fallen apart, the, the slate has been cleared, it's so that something new can grow in there. In Australia, we have bushfires and they teach us so much about new growth. You know, we see all of this death and destruction in a forest and the charred black trees, but then we see the sprouting of the green as well. And that is what happens in our lives. So that is how I help people kind of embrace these moments of of complete, like my expectations have fallen to pieces. It's starting to step into neutral territory with that, not calling this, okay, this defines my life. This is a terribly bad thing. We can, of course, acknowledge the pain and how hard it is, but we also can step with one foot in that space of higher perspective and seeing that in this in this moment where it all seems lost. If I could really milk it, if I'm going to have the slate cleaned in my life and that failure moment, I'm going to really go into the failure. I'm going to use this. I'm going to really let this clear something in me so that I can be more of who I'm meant to be in this life. It totally changes the experience. He mentioned before that those three places where anxiety comes from or where we work with anxiety, you know, the mind, the body, and also, also the spiritual area, um, are really interested in this idea of learning to trust life. That can be really hard to face, especially if, you know, we're, we're facing difficult or scary moments. How do we grow our spiritual beliefs and our beliefs in, in ways that really help us to trust and accept life as it is before us? You know, the answer really is whenever we're looking outside of ourselves, the whole world outside of us, life, our experiences that we move through, everything material around us and our relationships and how people are around us, it's all a mirror. It's all reflecting something back that we can learn within. And so if we're not trusting life, you're not trusting the partner that you're with. If you are not trusting that your business is going to work or that uh whatever you need to happen is going to go right, there is something in you that you're not trusting. And if we've, again, I'm so, I, I know it's going to sound a little like I'm repeating myself, but if we're not trusting ourselves to cope with the waves of emotion we're going to experience in our lives, we are not going to trust ourselves and we're not going to trust life. So it really does start with standing at the ocean shore, looking at those waves, learning what they are, and starting to practice diving under them rather than just standing, trying to be power through them, pretend it's not there and getting toppled over. And that is how we start to trust life. Because if you can trust that no matter what emotion you are experiencing, that you can be with that and you can dive under that wave and gracefully move into it and through it, there is nothing to be afraid of. The only thing we're ever afraid of, if we're afraid of failure, if we're afraid of heartbreak, if we're afra- afraid of a loved one dying, if we're afraid of something happening to us, it's only because we're afraid of what emotional experience that's going to bring up. Or I'll be in so much pain. I'll have so much grief. I'll have so much sadness. I'll feel like I'll feel terrible. Okay, so what if we just let you feel terrible for a day or a week? And you know that you can do that and you're going to be okay because you can just keep diving into that I feel terrible cracking open, moving through that emotion, letting it clear. 
it feels so, so beautiful to allow yourself to let that heaviness that you're carrying, that trying to be strong and hold it all together all the time, letting that go and just letting yourself not be strong right now, letting yourself not be the tough one. And at the same time, having this piece of you that's like, this is okay. I'm just going to let this happen. And that's how we trust light. What are you feeling uncertain about at the moment and how, do you, how are you best at supporting yourself? That's such a good question. I mean, in some ways I could feel my mind, like anyone's mind, can feel uncertain about all aspects of life. I have no idea what's going to happen next in some ways. But where I can feel certain is how I'm going to handle that scenario. So, I mean, I brought up my love life before, so I'm currently single, but I'm, I, I'm uncertain about how that's going to work out for me. But something that I am working with is how can I be okay with that even if like my worst fears come true that I, I'm like die alone, right? That <laughs> I never meet anyone. That is that has been such a rich journey to actually sit with the own fear of loneliness in me and going to the depths of that and knowing that intimately to the point where I mean this is really deep on that place of like I told you for a little child, being accepted, being a part of the group belonging is is so integral to our sense of survival. So being with that, okay, what is in this loneliness and what's in that fear of that and that living life alone and getting to the bottom of it because we think it's just these emotions and these fears are black holes that we're never going to find the end of. I'll share that where I've come to so far in this exploration is that Firstly, as human beings, we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to live alone. We're not meant to be hyper-independent and just live by ourselves. Um, There is a capacity within me always to connect with other human beings and have a rich community and sense of, of family and whatever. That doesn't have to be blood. You know, that can be in so many different ways. I've got my blood family, but I've also got my soul family and different people in my life that you know, that's a really important piece. And when I have that, you know, there's something in me that feels this, like on that visceral level as a human being, we are like, we're herd animals. And so something in me feels really grounded having people around. Um, and that's okay. And knowing I've got the, like the self power in that is that I have the power to go and connect with people. I have the power to pick up the phone. I have the power to get involved in various community activities going on. And the other place that I've come to in that is if we are connected to nature and we really understand that that's who we are, we can never be alone. I've always loved the movie Pocahontas and I've been seeing that uh, Colors of the Wind song a lot lately. And it just, it's so wise, the words of that song, but she talks about, you know, the rainstorm and the river are my brothers, the heron and the otter are my friends. And I think in that we can start to come to this place of really seeing that the trees are there supporting you. The earth is here supporting you. The sky is here supporting you. You really can never be alone. And if you're ever feeling like there is so much emotion that you're carrying and there is not a human being around you that can hold that because you've been conditioned to feel like you're a burden with those emotions, go to nature. The land can hold everything. Cry into the ground. Like let like let yourself fall apart on the sand. Um, there is or dive into the ocean you know there is so much holding us and supporting us here we really can never be alone that's beautiful thank you for sharing georgie this has been such an insightful conversation 
Thank you so much. Um, now, people people can find you at georgiecollinston.com or they can find you on Instagram at georgiethenaturopath. Yes, they can. And I do have a free meditation if anyone wants to go check it out. It's called the Instant Calm Meditation um, that just helps you to, especially, I mentioned how, how most people just want to like not feel anxious anymore. But it's like, what does that life actually look like? And it's so hard to visualize that. So this meditation gives you a space to really anchor into that vision of who you are without anxiety taking all of your power in your life and really feeling like you've taken your power back. Amazing. Thank you so much, Georgie. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for checking in with me today. I'm your host, Susie McAvale, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a review. If you'd like to find out more about the Let's Check In podcast, head to the website letscheckinpodcast.com where there's loads of information in the show notes. You can also follow us at Let's Check In Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and TikTok. This podcast is not a licensed mental health service and it is not a substitute for professional mental health advice. If something has come up for you in this episode, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. This podcast has been made with the help of Pod and Pen Productions. 